All righty, all righty, all righty. Um, I want to talk to you today about uh, the call of God on your life, and uh, I'm not sure what God wants to provoke us with for sure. Um, other than I have this sense that he, even at this moment, even at this juncture, uh, even um, at what's happened on the world stage or the world platform, uh, I think he wants to grab our hearts a little bit deeper. Um, and I, I, you know, I just, America is still a miracle. America is still a miracle because there's so many people that love God. There's so many people that that are uh, seeking after the things of God. It's so, it's so, uh, it is so praiseworthy. It is so uh, awesome uh, that you are here this morning and that you are allowing God to set you apart, that you are welcoming uh, the set-apart life. That's, that is so wondrous. And, and, um, and I, you know, I just, in light of the weekend and in light of what happened in France, I don't know, we turned on Fox News last night for a moment. I was just astounded at all, all the visuals all across the world, uh, all of the, you know, the candle visuals and just everywhere, you know, even the, even the center in Shanghai lit up with the colors of France. And how many of you saw some of that stuff? You know, and then, you know, talking to Sterling last night at dinner over spaghetti, you know, Sterling's like, you know, we just need to get everybody together, every nation. Or we just need to go in and just blow them up. <laughs> and I, I don't know, I felt like the overwhelming, like I said, I said, Sterling, this is not Xbox, and these, this, is not, this is not Black Ops. This is, this is a little more complicated than that. And I'm like, you know, how are we going to find them all? Uh, we just encapsulate their countries, and then we just get everywhere, and we just get our guns and our tanks, and we just, roar! And, and I'm like, well, you know, the thing is we have to realize this is a spiritual battle. This is a spiritual battle. And I'm like, how do you get, you know, seven or eight guys to strap explosives to themselves and go blow themselves up? It's a spiritual battle. The darkness is so pervasive. It is so powerful in the lives of these people. The influence of darkness is so pervasive. It is so powerful. It is so deeply influential that they will, they will lay down their lives for their cause. That, that, is, a, that is amazing. Hello, somebody. The depth of the depth of depravity and deception. But we gotta remember we're in a spiritual battle. We gotta remember that. We and this is not a time to draw away. This is not a time uh, to this is not a time to wax eloquent on your antichrist theologies. This is a time for us to pray. This is a time for us to press in. This is a time for us to, to become God's instrument. This is a time for us to get more devoted than ever before. Uh, and I, you know, what I was, what I was reflecting on uh, in our, with our lily walk last night is that, that God, this is so much Deuteronomy 6, 7, 8, 28. This is, this is, this is in Europe where they've turned away from God. In Europe where the cathedrals, the churches are empty. In Europe where they said, we don't need you. This is what's happening. And, and 
And when we, when we tear down or when we cooperate with our flesh, our carnality, our, our own rebellion, our own pride, when we cooperate in that realm with the enemy to resist God, to turn away from God, to go after our own gods, then we open ourselves up to the devouring of the enemy who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. This is his course. This is his path. This is what he wants. So I'm believing, I'm believing that this is, this is going to, there's a great wake-up coming to all of Europe. It, it's not time for the Lord to come back. Can I just announce something right now? If the Lord came back right now, all of Europe would perish. All of Europe would not go. All of Europe, hello, somebody, why do you want that? The Lord is long-suffering and patient, and he is not willing that any should miss out. I'm telling you what, God is going to raise up the righteous, and that should be the prayer of our hearts today, is that the righteous are elevated throughout culture. They're elevated in parliament. They're elevated in business. They're elevated in every place. Churches are filled. What we prayed this morning should be the prayer that fills our mouth. Give him no rest. He said, give me no rest. I've set you, I've appointed you as watchman on the wall. That is pay attention to what's going on. A watchman is aware of the enemy coming in. A watchman declares and shouts and makes noise, brings forth a trumpet, a call that there's an enemy approaching. It's time to arm ourselves. It's time to be ready. It's time to be on the offense and to rally, I mean on the defense and rally the offense. I have appointed you as watchmen on the wall, Isaiah 62, that you would give me no rest. See, your prayers are important. Your speech is important. Your declarations are important. Your faith in the advancing of Jesus, Isaiah 9. We were reflecting on it on our lily walk last night. Isaiah 9, 6 and verses following. And the government of peace. Joel left out the word. She said, what's that scripture? She tricked me. She tricked me. She's like a preacher. Honey, what is that scripture? The government of something will be on his shoulders. I'm like, it's the government of peace. That's it. That's it. Good answer. Good answer. This is what we're seeing is violence. And she was talking about how in Ezekiel 28, we see that violence was woven into the nature of Satan. Violence is of his nature. And he's been brainwashing all of our children with television, with media, with Xbox, with Nintendo, with violence. He's been pulling us in to be a violent people. Hello, somebody. But it's the government of peace that is on his shoulders, and of the increase of that government, there shall be no end. Am I worried today? No, I'm, only, I'm, I'm not worried about Jesus. I'm worried about the church. That is, I want with him, the church, to awaken, the church to arise. We are the Ezekiel 37 people right now. Did you know that? That before, before Israel will be raised up, I believe that there's a, there's a principle at work out of Ezekiel 37 where the church will be raised up. Because we, we've had a hundred years, we've had a hundred years, 115 now, 
of get me off the planet theology. We had a, we've had a hundred years of the giants are too big for us theology. It's the first, it's this, the last 115 years is the first invention of this kind of theology since the church was born on, in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. This is the first 115 years. We've had, we've had a theology of retreat instead of a theology of advance. And you know what? God is waking us up. God is waking us up. And it's time that, and we need to allow him. We need to welcome him. We need to prophesy with Ezekiel 37. Can these bones live? You know what it says about those bones? That bones, those bones that he saw in a valley, that's a low place. The bones were in the valley and they were in a low place. Ezekiel 37. Do I have the right passage? Anybody? Thank you so much. I'm just preaching extemporaneously. Can these bones live? Oh, Lord, only you know. Okay, well, then I'll tell you what I know. Yes, they can. Breathe on these bones. Speak over these bones. Tell these bones to live. Tell breath to come into that being. Tell tell flesh to come on that body. Tell sinews and tell... Hello? This is not this is not a day for us to be wringing our hands or to or to be moving into hopelessness. It says that the that this it says this is the whole house of Israel and they say our hope has perished. Since 1962 when prayer was taken out of the schools, since 1973 with Roe versus Wade, and we could mark Thing after thing after thing where Christians have used this to propagate the reinforcement of a retreat, get me off of the globe theology that is not of God's will. Jesus said, pray this way. First of all, Jesus said, occupy until I come. Occupy is a military term. It means take over and conduct business as if I'm with you because all authority has been given to me, Matthew 28, 18, and 19. Say occupy. Jesus said, don't speculate about the future in such a way that you can figure it out because he says not even the sun knows that day or that hour. Occupy till I come, right? Then Jesus says, you've heard us preach it a thousand times, Matthew 6, 9 through 11. They say, how should we pray? And he says, pray this way, thy kingdom come. In the Greek or the Aramaic, when he said it, it was an imperative. Thy kingdom come! Thy will be done! And it's not, it's not just a prayer. Remember the, remember the prayer of Matthew 6, 9 through 11. It's not just a, it's not just a prayer. We don't, it's not a catechism. I wake up. Get my coffee, get my shower, get a piece of toast, and then I and then I go into prayer, Matthew six. Maybe I could sing it. Our Father, who art in heaven. You've got to get the right depth of vibrato there. I started a little too low. I needed a higher key. I needed a, hang on, hang on, hang on. I needed a higher key. Hallowed be thy name. 
Okay, we don't, we don't pray a three, uh, no, it's not three minute. It's not 30 seconds, uh, 9 through 11. We don't pray that prayer, and then having prayed that prayer, think we're all done praying. That prayer is an outline for prayer. That prayer is an outline for prayer. That prayer is an outline for prayer. Say it with me. That prayer is an outline for prayer. So then we take the theme of that outline, hallowed be thy name, God. And then we rally around that and we just, we just spend time just lifting up the name of God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we elevate and make his name hallowed. And then we move on into the, the various portions of the outline of prayer. And we get to that part, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we encapsulate and we, and we magnify and we bring about the very things that pertain to our life, our generation, our day. This is your generation. God sets you in this generation that he would fulfill his purpose through you. And so you begin to pray over economics and over government. Paul said, pray this way. He spoke to Timothy. He said, first of all, pray for those in authority that we would have a peaceful life. So pray for them. Amen? What are we going to pray? Pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Everybody say on earth. Say on earth. Say on earth. Remember this. He's not trying to get you out of here. He's trying to get in here. Would you let me in? Remember this. You're not a citizen of this country. You are a citizen, first of all, of heaven. Your objective in life is to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Your objective is to be an import ambassador. You represent the highest ranking, the highest kingdom. And by the way, in the, and you're saying, well, I don't know about that. I mean, I'm living on the earth. Yeah, but you got to remember when the earth was first formed, it was heaven on earth. The garden, the mountain, everything about it was a complete replica of heaven. And that's what he wants restored in the earth. Amen. I want to talk to you today in the next few moments. Because I only have a few. About the call of Elisha. About the call of Elisha. And um, I, I think there's some serious thoughts for us to get a hold of with the call of Elisha. See, I think the enemy wants you uh, uh, disconnected from a deeper calling on your life. Say it with me. The enemy wants. The enemy wants. The enemy is working. I have an enemy who is working to disconnect me from the highest call, the higher call. That is the call of God on my life. In this generation. And I want you to look at the calling or really the, a, a, a particular day with Elisha. It was the day uh, wherein the mantle would be given to him. We know his calling was back in 1 Kings 19, 19. Elijah found Elisha who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. 1 Kings nineteen nineteen. 
and he with the twelfth, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle on him. Now, we're told that Elisha, Elisha walked with Elijah for six years. Now, Elijah was the senior prophet of that day, and Elijah had a school of prophets, much like we would have a, a Bible college or like we would have some kind of a center of prophetic ministry and, and uh, like a gathering of those who would be seeking after the things of God. Elijah was well known, but he, he's, he's drawn by the Holy Spirit to choose Elisha to take his place. And in doing so, he casts his mantle on him. Uh, and, of course, he gives the mantle back. And the mantle was his robe, and it was a symbol of authority and power and the grace of God on his life, much like the rod or the staff had been with Moses. And so he walks with him for six years. And toward the end of that six-year period, we're given a picture. We're not told a lot about those six years. We're told later on through Jehoshaphat, later on, after Elijah's passed away, Jehoshaphat, then king, was looking for a prophet. And we're told a little bit about Elisha. So we get glimpses of Elisha's life or that six-year period. Uh, during that six-year period, but, but not a lot of glimpses. We know that he became a servant of Elijah. We know that he waited on him. Jehoshaphat said, who, who is that? And they say, uh, well, he, he's the man that poured water on Elijah's feet. And he says, if he served Elijah, then the word of the Lord is in his mouth. So he understood progression, he understood the mantle, he understood what we discuss in our circles and what is discussed in the Bible uh, realm pertaining this particular principle. He understood impartation. Everybody say impartation. That is when there is a right relationship, a God-called relationship between you and a leader, where there is, where there's something wherein you're called to a particular church, house, person, leader, that there's something that trans, something that happens in a transference, like an impartation, where you begin to partake of the anointing that is on that particular ministry. That's why Jehoshaphat said. In this crisis situation, if, if Elisha's here and Elisha poured water on the feet of Elisha, then the word of the Lord is with him. So he recognized him as a prophet. He recognized him in a prophetic role. Now, after Elijah passes away, we see that Elisha, Elisha wrought accomplished twice as many, exactly twice as many miracles as Elisha. Twice as many miracles. Which is interesting because uh, uh, when, when, he was about to, when he was about to go up in the fiery chariot, he asked Elisha what he would have, what he would receive, and he says, I want a double portion of the anointing that is on you. Now, I think he asked for a double portion of the anointing that was on him. There's a couple reasons. 
I think one is because Elisha was a symbol of Jesus. Elijah was a symbol of John the Baptist. Elijah was a symbol of the Old Testament prophetic role in its fullness. Elisha was a symbol of the New Testament prophetic role that we enter into in Jesus. He also asked for a double portion of the anointing, and, and, and he also, because he had seen that Jezebel had put Elijah on the run, that Jezebel had been a powerful, powerful spirit. Jezebel's anointing in the realm of darkness had been so powerful that it had disturbed and shaken and worn Elijah down. And this is why we see Elijah hiding under a tree after running some distance and declaring to God, I'm no greater than my father's, and I'm done, and I want to go home. So then he says, go and anoint Jehu, go and anoint Elisha. He gives him the next instructions, and so then this period of relationship begins And the culmination of that period was the very scripture I want to read to you today. Everybody with me? We're moving really fast, and I apologize for those of you that are newer in the Lord, newer in church, newer to the work of God in your life. I apologize, and uh, I encourage you to read some of these scriptures on your own as well. Uh, 1 Kings 19 and following. Second uh, Kings one and two, and we're going to pick it up at Second Kings chapter two. And it came about when the Lord was about to take Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elisha, Elijah said to Elisha, "Stay here, please." For the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. Now, I want you to see something. This is on the last day that Elisha would be with Elijah. And there's four locations that they visit on this particular day. Four locations. And these four locations are symbolic symbolic to the work of God in our lives, symbolic to how the Lord deals with us, symbolic to what must happen before we receive a double portion mantle or a higher anointing or the things that precede us advancing in God. And so these locations have something to do with that, and I want you to see that, and they are a type or a picture of God working with us. Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. Now, this is interesting. Elijah knows that this is the day he's going to go up in a whirlwind. And first, first, there's a visit to Gilgal. And next, he's going to go to Bethel. And the word that he continues to say to Elisha as they progress from journey to journey and from location to location, which are now, which each of these locations are well-established locations, but they're also symbolic locations, and they have an etymology. They have a first reference. Every one of these locations have a first reference. The first reference of Gilgal is out of Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5, verse 2, verses 6 through 9 Gilgal means to go in a circle. 
and Gilgal means to cut off the flesh. The first place that he takes Elisha to on this day, and by the way, this Gilgal it was the place of circumcision. And before the children of Israel could cross over the Jordan and go into the promised land, they're stopped and, and, and they're instructed to be circumcised. And that all the whole tribe, the whole of the assembly would be circumcised. And circumcision was a cutting off of the flesh. It represented cutting off the sinful nature. And, and this, is, this, is, this is part of what we want to see. This is, this is part of leadership in your life, by the way. This is the work of God in your life. This is leadership in your life. This is, uh, if you're around leadership, leadership, they're making demands of you. They're, 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 they're calling you to do things. Spiritual leadership, natural leadership, business leadership, husband leadership. Hello, somebody maybe. Mom and dad leadership. Oftentimes, for us to go to the next place, there has to be a cutting off of the flesh. There has to be a cutting off of our self-will. There has to be a cutting off of our sinful nature and our rebellion. There has to be a cutting off of the flesh. There has to be a cutting off of, of doing it our way. And, and we can't go on to Bethel, by the way. We can't go on to Bethel until we deal with ourselves at Gilgal. Now, it's interesting, Elijah knows he's going to go up that day. Elisha knows he's going to go up that day. Why would Elijah, when God has told Elijah that this is your, this is your protege, this is the one, the one you threw the mantle on, is, is meant, ordained to take your place, why would he say, stay here? Why would he say, stay here? It's an illustration of a test. It's an illustration of a test. In that you need, and every one of us, and Elisha, he had to to be so deep in his resolve to pursue the will of God for his life, he had to be so deep that nothing else mattered. He had to be so deep that he wouldn't hear anyone else, that he wouldn't listen to anything else. He wouldn't take his eyes off of the call of God on his life. He would not compromise the call of God on his life. The call of God is more than anything for every one of us. And so here, here Elijah says, stay here. And he says, and the next location is Bethel. He says, stay here, please. (laughs) This is the new American standard. I think the King James might be a little stronger. Stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha says, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now, Bethel, we know about Bethel. The the first reference of Bethel, the first reference of significance for Bethel is Genesis 28, 18 and 19. The whole passage, actually, of Genesis 28. And this is where Jacob comes out of Laban's house, and, and, uh, and, and he's on his way, and he lays his head on a rock for the night. And you know what happened? Uh, the sky is opened up. There's a ladder uh, up to heaven. Angels are ascending or dis- and descending in Genesis 28. And, and this place had been called Luz, 
but he changed the name of the place, and he says, this is none other than the house of God. He's at a rock in the middle of nowhere. He's at a He's at Motel 3. This is not Motel 6. He's at Motel 3 in the middle of nowhere with his head. There was no room in the inn. He's got his head on a rock. He's got got his stuff with him. He's sleeping that night. This is a city called Luz, but he changes the name of the city because God met him there, and the word of the Lord came upon him, and he says, from now on, this will be called the house of the Lord, the house of bread, the house of the word of the Lord, the visitation of God. It becomes Bethel. And there's a progression here. He says, and he gives him a choice. You know what? God's giving you a choice. God's giving you a choice. God has a great call on your life. And even for every one of us, our calling is very, very knit to who we associate with. You're calling because who you associate with, there is impartation out of those relationships. And I'm telling you, the enemy wants to push you away from righteous and good and holy and strong and anointed impartation relationships. And he wants you to turn away from those and he wants you to feast on that which is unrighteous, unholy, impure He wants an impartation coming into your life that is pathetic, not prophetic. Guess I'm wearing that one out. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So so the next destination is Bethel, the house of the Lord, where we're fed with manna from God. The word of the Lord comes to us. But first we have to go to Gilgal. There's a natural spiritual progression here that if we go to Gilgal and we cut off my way and we cut off my thing and we cut off the sinful nature and we cut cut off the fleshly part of us. And how many of you know you got to do this every day? How many of you know you got to do this every morning? How many of you know you got to do this every afternoon? How many of you know the enemy could come along and God, hear the voice of God, the voice, the prophetic voice of God is saying to him, no, just stay here. You know, you would always think that the voice of God would be, no, come, come on, come on, you know, come near. This is what I have for you. But this is the voice of God saying, stay here. Why is that? Because God wants to find out how hungry you really are for his will. He wants to find out how serious you are about really growing, about really developing, about really cherishing the impartation that flows out of right relationships. He is so passionate about really knowing your heart that he won't manipulate your heart. He'll allow you to choose. You choose. Isn't that wild? So he says, I will not leave your side. Then the sons of the prophet who were at Bethel came out to Elijah and said, do you know that the Lord will take away your master today? And he said, yes, I know. Be still. And Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now, Jericho, Jericho means fragrance. Isn't that interesting? Jericho means fragrance. Why does Jericho mean fragrance? It means fragrance because it's the city that was burned. It was the first city, the first victory of crossing over. And the whole city was burned as an aroma to God. And it's a symbol of obedience. 
It's a symbol of obedience to the voice and the leading of God and walking by faith. You're going to march around this city seven times. You're going to march around this city seven times and then seven times on the seventh day, and then you're going to shout. And it was a symbol of obedience. It was a symbol of God and man seeing a great victory, but they did it God's way. The greatest victories come as we do it God's way. When we allow bread to come and when we receive God's bread and when we soak in God's bread and we know that this is coming out of the cherished relationships that God's put in our life and there's impartation that flows out of those relationships and we will not separate from them and we will not turn away from them and we will not, but we'll stay close. We'll stay near. When we are walking in this kind of thing, then we begin to see the victories of God where God consumes our enemies, where our enemies are put to flight and brought to nothing. And to God, it's a sweet aroma. Progression. God wants to take you into victories that are a sweet aroma because you walked in obedience. You stayed near. You, dro- you, 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 you made up your mind. You didn't turn away. You didn't retreat. You, you, hello, somebody. So they came to Jericho, and the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho, I'm about done, by the way. If your roast is burning, give me two more minutes. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho, just call Arby's and tell them to hold the roast beef. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho approached Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Be still. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. Again, he gives him an opportunity to stay. Again, he presses him. He compels him. Don't come with me. Don't come with me. Why would, why would the Spirit of God say, don't come with me, when the Spirit of God knows that this is your day? This is your very day. Church, don't be seduced by anything. Don't be drawn away by anything. Get so dead dog determined that you're going to pursue God and God's will for your life that you will not let anything turn you away. See, sometimes, well, leaders didn't treat me right. Well, sometimes they didn't talk to me. Well, sometimes I didn't get the promotion. Uh, Well, I was supposed to be Sunday school superintendent. Well, don't you know I was going to be the head usher? Well, you know, I don't know about those folks, you know. I mean, what will you allow to separate you from the impartation and the relationship, the leading relationship of your life? What simple thing, what offense, what little thing will you let separate you? Will you let others separate you? Well, I don't know. We decided that that this just not our it's just not our deal anymore. Oh, well, if it's not your deal, it's not my deal either. And don't let anything separate you from what God has called you to. Don't let anything separate you from what God has called you to. And he said to him, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. They went on to the Jordan. Now, you know what happened? Um, Further on, verse 8, when they crossed over, Elijah said to Elijah, ask what you should be done for you before I'm taken. And he said, please let a double portion of your spirit 
be upon me. And he said, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken, it shall be for you. If not, it shall not be so. That's interesting. It's interesting. that When we draw near to the relationships that God's ordained for us, then we're near to them at the opportune moment when impartation takes place. See, you don't know when impartation will take place. So if you're aloof, if you disregard, if you let yourself be pulled away, if you're not serious, if you're not chasing, if you're not running in to the things that God has for you, impartation, the moment of impartation could take place at a time when you're not aware and you miss it. You miss your moment of visitation. Stand with me this morning. I want the singers and the band to come. The principle of the Jordan, the principle of the Jordan is that it was a life source. It was symbolic of abundance. It was symbolic of abundance. There's relationships in your life. See, it says in Psalm 133, that the anointing flows over the head, down the beard, down the robe, and this anointing flows, and God commands the blessing where there's unity. Joel's described unity as it's not the absence of disagreement. Where there's unity, where we're pressing in, where we want to be a part, where we esteem where God's called us, where we esteem what God has called us to, where we make a demand on those relationships, where we cherish and honor those relationships, where we value what flows out of those relationships. This is unity. Unity is where we're drawn together. We're working together. We saw it with eternity. It was so cool to have like 65 of us working together for nine days. The camaraderie, the camaraderie alone was so worth it. We saw it when we built the building. But can we see it in other elements of ministry? Can we see it just even as we gather together to worship? Can we see that we provoke one another, that we cherish one another, that we, that we revere one another? Can we see it in our small group ministries where it's not just a small group leader. The small group leader is one who's serving under authority. They're serving with the anointing. They're serving with the heart and the mind of the leadership and the anointing that God has placed over the house. And so we revere those in leadership on every level. Why? Because it flows down over the head and over the beard and over the robe. And where there's unity and where we esteem what God is doing in our midst, then he commands a blessing on our lives. What happens? We don't miss our day of visitation. We don't miss the impartation. We're partakers of it. And so we're receiving mantles and we're receiving anointings. And the double portions are landing on us. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. But it happens also as we determine that we will not let anything push us away. We won't let anything deter us. We won't let anything cause an offense. We won't let anything fester. We won't let any little sliver get in there, separate. Heads bowed, eyes closed this morning. Doing my best just to catch what the Spirit is saying today. 
because he just so cherishes you and he so needs you alive and invigorated with him. He so he so needs you receiving the life and the hope of the Spirit. He He's calling you to be that army out of Ezekiel 37. He's saying that you are a vast and a mighty army. He's breathing on you prophetically. He's saying muscles come. He's saying flesh come. He's saying strength come. He's saying church rise up. You're a mighty army. You're a mighty army. You're a mighty army. You're a mighty army, church. You're a mighty army of influence. You're a mighty army of righteousness. You're a mighty army of power. You're a mighty army of prayer. You're a mighty army of the will of God in the earth. You have a significant role in your generation. on hands lifted all across the auditorium and just tell him this morning that you are not going to miss out you are not going to miss out you're not going to retreat you're not going to fear you're not going to run after your own life that you will embrace even the progression from Gilgal to Bethel from Bethel to Jericho from Jericho to Jordan that you will be one who pursues him fully who walks with him fully who will walk out and manifest His calling for you in your generation. That you would even cherish the relationships in your life. There are God-appointed relationships in your life. And He's saying, oh, oh, that you would cherish those relationships. That you would cherish those relationships. No yawning. No ho-hum. say fair attitudes no complacency no apathy these relationships that God has put in your life are life giving relationships the name Elisha declares over Elijah that he's a father that he's a life source there's relationships God's ordained for you that are life source relationships that you would flourish They'll put a press on you. They'll lead you to Gilgal sometimes. They'll lead you to the Jericho sometimes. They'll lead you to the Jordan. They'll lead you to places maybe you don't have it in you to go. But you go because you will not separate from them. Holy Spirit. We are yours. We are yours. We just ask you to make us that sharp threshing instrument of Jeremiah 50. Make us that sharp threshing instrument. Make us that war club. Make us those those instruments that you would fashion for your usefulness in our generation. That's our cry. That's our prayer. Come on, if you want to just get before him as we close. The front is open. I welcome you seal this morning with a holy pursuit of the call of God on your life.